This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. Rob Shaw, thanks for coming on. Tell, uh, I think we should start out with, tell my mom and my other three close friends and relatives that will probably constitute my listening audience uh, <laughs> uh, about yourself. Yeah, I uh, uh, grew up in uh, Wyoming, fifth generation Wyomingite, and uh, lifelong hunter, but not super intense. Pretty much just a rifle meat hunter until I was in my mid forties. I'm in my almost my mid fifties now. And uh, damn, I wouldn't guess that you're a pretty fit looking dude. <laughs> then I kind of got into uh, I started bow hunting, and that kind of changed the whole thing for me. <clears throat> and I made it much more intimate, and um, started paying attention. And uh, we, there were a couple things that kind of got me going in this hunting space. One was in 2000 uh, like stuff that you stuff that you found annoying yeah in 2017 the the uh, wyoming outfitters association working with the game and fish department submitted a proposal to increase the number of wyoming elk tags to non-residents and so i went to this meeting going what well, know what's this about and uh, they had two options one was uh, leave it the same or increase them Uh and i just i just thought ah okay something's going on uh and then uh and then i think it was uh i had this buddy i i trained with and kind of my hunting buddy kind of got a bow hunt together and we had he'd sent me a an article from eastman's or newberg or somebody that said you know wyoming is the easiest state to draw a tag in and uh and uh, and i was like all right we gotta we gotta work to get this fixed um, and then oh, wait, the wait, thing, wait, what you, okay. So, um, you just, why did you not want to beat Wyoming to be the easiest state? Uh, the easiest state for non-resident to get a tag in. Yeah. Just is, uh, I think that there was a combination of this would have been, you know, about four or five years ago where the friggin', you know, it's your term that, you know, a self-promoting hunting social media thing was just exploding and we kept on seeing all this stuff about wyoming and i don't know i'm just uh i mean wyoming's a, a, a small town or you know a big town with one long road right or a small town with a long road it's a small yeah place. no i i get that part of it for sure um i hate the, the all the promotion um for about nine reasons um that i can articulate but i won't yet um or maybe at all on this podcast but um, i'm with you on on that um but like let's say that wyoming was the state with the most untapped or undertapped elk hunting then it would make sense that it was the state that issued the most out-of-state tags um but that's probably not what you're saying you're probably yeah. saying something. I'm guessing you're saying that it was pretty tough, even without all these non-residents. Well, uh, there's something else that kind of informed that decision was I had, you know, my first year of, uh, you know, bow hunting for deer. I had done some scouting up by my house. And then, then the opening day, I got up there and 
it was combat friggin' bow hunting up there. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, it was in this one beautiful basin, like on top of the, on top of the ridge. And uh, I mean, it wasn't an easy hike in there. I think there were eight parties in there and maybe 12 hunters chasing, you know, his deer. And, and uh, a lot of them were from out of state. And uh, I just started thinking this isn't quite right. Now let, let's be clear. I'm a total Wyoming homer, right? Um, so I'm going to do what I think is you know, best for the state of Wyoming, my fellow residents. And then when I took a look at the tag allocation. Turns out that Wyoming was the most liberal state in the West in terms of non-resident tag allocation. And, uh, and so that got us going. And, uh, you know, for example, until just this year, well, just to just pass this legislature, it'll begin next year, but we've been given 25% of our big one sheep tags to non-residents. And most states are at 10% or less, like Montana. And we give 20, uh, see 16% of our limited quota elk tags, 20% of deer, uh, 20% of moose. Um, moose, the moose, we finally got, after four years of hard fight, we got moose, bighorn sheep, mountain goat, and bison all down to 10%, which is just like the other states. Before that, their, our allocation was double or worse. And we're working to do the same for uh, deer, elk, and antelope. I can imagine that, like, as you describe this and your perspective on it being unfair, there's people that live in other states, Western states with um, where there's like, where there's a lot, there's a lot of interest in hunting in these state in these states by not out of staters. Those people right now are going you freaking selfish a-hole and people in Wyoming and oh wait people that I'm sorry I'm screwing this up people that live in other western states could sympathize with you people live in the east are saying you a you a-hole you're trying to keep it to yourself don't you think oh yeah absolutely but I mean I'm not here to represent the you're not here to make friends I'm not I mean, we, we aspire to represent regular blue collar day-to-day friggin' Western hunt. Yeah. We should Western finish out hunter. what we is like what your group is. Um, yeah, I think that that is just, I mean, I mean like we haven't named it even. Yeah. It's called mountain pursuit. Okay. So this deal, those experiences you just described led you to start mountain pursuit. Yeah, a couple things. One is, you know, the uh, the tag allocation, and you know what, what I saw was just some undue influence by the those who make money from wildlife, specifically the outfitters in this case on our local Wyoming wildlife management. And then, secondly, all these uh, non-resident bow hunters high up in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming, and I'm just thinking, how are they finding this? How are they getting there? And that kind of, you know, didn't take long to figure out that the fine podcasts on, you know, hunting in <laughs> these regions of Wyoming or, or videos or movies. I mean, it's being advertised pretty heavily and marketed by, you know, the self-promoters and hunting industry. Yeah. And so, yeah. So those two things uh, for uh, for me and a uh, you know, small group of guys I work with, it just, we just want to start fighting it. Um, so you have some compadres that are involved in this with you. Um, how many are, are you, are there of you? 
we've got, you know, probably, you know, that, that we have a really small board, just three of us on the board, and we're not, we're not really a membership organization. Um, but here in Wyoming, we probably got, you know, we have a, a local email that goes out to just about 2,000 people. So, um, oh. so we're, and you, we're, we're not exactly you feel huge, like that. 2,000 people are, those folks are largely on board with what you're trying to do trying to accomplish well we got two things that mountain pursuit pursues well more than two things but the the one uh western western state hunter president uh i'm sorry how would i say this <laughs> um a high degree of uh tag prep preference for uh resident hunters is definitely most wyomingites agree with that sure um, I can, yeah. hunters now some of the stuff we you know our, our stands on fair chase and how hard we fight for wildlife conservation. I'm sure we lose some wilding eyes for that, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Do you understand that when it comes to uh, this Western state uh, resident hunter preference, we're not only looking at Wyoming, you know, we've just followed uh, some of the efforts down in Colorado. Colorado is even more liberal than Wyoming in terms of um, non-resident tags for deer and elk, right? It's like 20% mm -hmm. for deer and 35% for elk and, I've never hunted down there, but I understand the place gets invaded by Texans and Missouri people from Missouri. <laughs> I did, we did, we did a little research. We found like 10,000 Californians and Texans hunt there every year. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like a very peaceful state to go on a hunting trip. And we're also against all over the counter tags. You know, I think you have some of those in Montana, definitely in Idaho, definitely down in Colorado. And those over the counter tags are marketed so heavy by the self promoters, the go hunts, all those guys. And, uh, it leads to negative consequences. I mean, the resident hunter backlash that we're kind of driving in Wyoming is we're not alone. I mean, I've seen it in Idaho, you know, I've seen it in Colorado now. Um, I think it's coming in Montana. You know, the resident hunters are just taking a look at the the number of non-residents coming in and also just the perception of all the marketing of our hunting out here. Um, that is, I think, you know, I, and I, again, I attribute this to you, you know, you're demonetized, deglorified, deglamorized or depublicized uh, haunting. Um, it's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like in, in defining my platform. I don't, I don't take a stand on how many out of the state tags should be allocated in my state, but I understand where that comes from. You know, um, I understand the concern there. I, well, when we, when we argue, other, we, uh, there, are, there are other agenda items that Mountain per Pursuit stands for, um, where, where it's like you, your, your group and, and me are in, in lockstep, you know? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, some of those other things that we, we definitely agree with the, uh, we, when we think if, and I understand correctly, when you think about self-promotion you're really hitting on the idea that hunting should be quiet and and uh and our our uh, focus is on top of that hunting should be quiet too but also that this is the self-promotion and especially the kill shots and gore and stuff that comes up with some of this media is really just fodder for anti-hunting and it's it's uh, turning non-hunters against hunters. Sure. And 
and uh, we we kind of find that uh, this activity is really it's uh, it's political suicide for the future of hunting, especially in the West. Yeah, so it might be that. Okay, so I like you take issue with all the things you just with hunting TV, with hunting social media. Um, I take major issue. And I think there's overlap in, in where in my, and what I'm concerned about and what you're concerned about. It's just like, if we had a Venn diagram, it, we'd overlap 95%. It's probably just that the priorities are a little different. Like I, I live in a state where, um, if some politician said they wanted to do away with hunting, they get town, they get hung in the town square I imagine something could happen on the federal level, but in any case, like the anti-hunting argument is totally valid. It's just not what I think the biggest concern is um, with hunting social media and hunting TV. So I, I, uh, what what would be the biggest concern from your viewpoint? Is it um, too many Um, people in the field? Well, in, yeah, and I, I'm like such a sensitive person to criticism that like I have a hard time saying that because it just leads to people saying that I'm trying to keep it all to myself. So like I'm trying to think. I've been trying to articulate because I know my 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 dis my uh, disgust with all that stuff runs deeper than just trying to keep it all to myself way deeper you know so like one thing is i think it incentivizes hunting for the wrong reasons it's it's like i I mean i just to me hunting's kind of a sacred thing it's a private thing it's 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 not to be trotted out on computer screens and tvs and used in an attempt to sell like dead animals in an attempt to sell products and gain notoriety for yourself. So yeah, I think it's an engine of crowding for sure, because it just makes people more and more people want to be like the next badass on freaking the computer screen, next hunting badass, you know? Um, and it just turns this like what I think of as kind of just a sacred thing, something that is terribly important and and um like is in my heart and soul something i've done my whole life and just turns it into this commercialized sensationalized monetized publicized privatized freaking shit show um so yeah i guess and there's no question about it a lot of these people are do do a ton of virtue signaling like they like the act like they're a champions for the hunting community, but there's, but, but you, you can't argue that and then put the stuff on social media and hunting TV, because if you're really a champion for the hunting community, then why the heck are you providing content to anti-hunters? Like you're saying, you know, so yeah, yeah, it is a, and you're much better at articulating that, I think, than than I have been, especially on the idea of the the, the sacred element of it, for sure. 
and, but I think there is something about the experiential stuff. None of us wants to drive to the trailhead and see it so full of vehicles. You know, absolutely. I wouldn't be doing. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if crowding wasn't a concern. It's the dominant issue in hunting today, and the influencers don't talk about it. The nonprofits don't talk about it, and it's even though it's the fuck, fucking twelve hundred pound girl in the room because they. They call they cause it, and they and they benefit from it. Yeah, I, I think that they cause it is one of the things from resident hunters that I've heard a lot of. We're with you, and and you'll see, uh, either it'll be a go hunt or something similar, or a podcast on where to apply or a hunting video, which gives away locational data some way and then i mean and you, you'll see it with the next you know just i mean just in a couple of years i've seen it in a couple of places i've hunted elk you know like two years ago i hunted this one spot there was nobody up there and, and i went up there you know last year and it was it was like ruined um and, and it's not and it's and not and like and a bunch people, of people had found out about it through a hunting show yeah they, they had to find out about it from from somewhere um so I think that there's just, there's an impact on, on the crowding issue, you know, in, in, Oh, in the I mean, service. there's way more concrete examples than that. Like the, I, yeah. I'm aware of many examples where it was much more like substantiated, like just South of town where I live, some guy shot a freaking big bull and, um, put it on social media about six, seven years ago. And it, like this unit went from being like good hunting to like so many people that it's just, it's just insane to think that you're going to find an elk down there. You know, they're all know driven on to private. We did a story uh, or an article called the go hunt effect. Where we took a look at the impact of go hunt and social media influencers marketing over the counter mule deer tags in Arizona. Um, and how that increased the number of applicants for those uh, tags. And eventually it's led to restrictions on the number of tags that are given away. And I've seen some, you know, some more of this resident hunter backlash in Arizona from just this exact same type of thing. Yeah. So I it's, got def- this, it's definitely I, a problem. I, I got this uh, text from somebody. It was it was like one of those petitions you can sign on your freaking phone or computer, you know, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. And it was, this was, a, this was this winter sometime, maybe in January. And it was a petition directed at what is What is the fish and game agency in Arizona is the Arizona fish and game, whatever it, they're the, the name for it. it was directed at them to stop paying randy newberg to promote hunting down there deer hunting in particular yeah i just i just caught wind of that myself and and uh and we uh, have a press uh public information request into the wyoming game and fish department to see if they've <laughs> done the same with newberg or any other um influencer um i um i imagine they might might have um, but, uh, cause they, they are masters of marketing. That's for sure. All these yeah. game fish departments are. 
it's so weird. Like I th- there's issues that just kind of redistribute hunters spatially. And there's other activities that create hunters. So I've been more focused on the ones that create hunters than the ones that, than the issues that, that dis- redistribute them. Although, and the reason is it's just because it's, it's an easier thing to, to sell to people that I'm trying to, um, um, encourage to look into my viewpoint, like redistributing hunters, you know, people could say, what you just, you know, you, you don't want other people to know where the good hunt it's public land. Don't you want them to know where the good hunting is? You know, so there's that. Um, but with creating new hunters, I can, there's, I can much more without getting that charge, um, thrown at me, I can say things like, uh, why would we create hunters, more hunters when the law of diminishing returns is kicked in so severely? Like, I totally believe that if you plotted hunter numbers on the x-axis and the amount of joy that hunting brings human beings on the y-axis that we're long past the number of hunters where the number the amount of enjoyment brings society is going up i think overall joy to society or fulfillment to society is going down in this part of the curve because of crowding um so, so, say, so you what, mean by that like that like <clears throat> hunters aren't enjoying it as much because it's so crowded well i mean we're adding maybe more hunters that are enjoying it a little bit but it's detracting so much from the joy of other hunters that overall joy and satisfaction is on the decline got it um so i can say things like I don't think why, why would you bring people into an already overcrowded pastime? Um, especially when you consider the fact that there's no clinical evidence that making somebody be a hunter makes them a happier, healthy, healthier, more well-adjusted human being. I've met just as many assholes per capita that are hunters as non-hunters. You know, if you want to, if you're really trying to, I can say things like if you're really trying to benefit society, and that's what you're trying to do with your, you know, hyping it up for what, you know, hyping it up on social media and TV and stuff. If you really want to benefit, why not, why not hype up yoga? Cause that's demonstrated to be healthy. Why not hype up eating right? You know? Um, but I hasten to add, and then I'll let you respond. Yeah, there is. So I've had two ethicists on this pot, three ethicists really on this podcast now from two different universities and I pose your point, like using a simplified analogy to ask them whether they thought it was like, this is getting back to the redistribution of hunters. Um, I said, let's say, because I was just trying to make it be clean and take out all the details and just really weigh in on the moral issue. Um, 
if if there let's say there's this a beach a remote beach somewhere it's like a six mile hike to get into it and a bunch of young folks are regularly in the habit of going down to that beach and surfing it's got a great break you know it's good for surfing and i guess surfing is like prone to overcrowding big time just like hunting did you know that yeah so um this small group of guy uh people young folks go down there and they're surfing and they go down there for like their whole adolescent life. And then a new kid shows up when they're 16 and he goes down there and he's glamming it up and putting it on social media. And now you have to wait three hours for your turn to go swim out and try to catch a wave. Did that one kid do something unethical and one of the one of these ethicists there was two classically trained ethicists and a third guy that had a degree in philosophy one of them said yes and one of them said no and like economists huh yeah <laughs> yeah so um i think if it's not unethical to blow up somebody else's hunting spot by putting it on tv and social media then it sh- damn sure is rude yeah, you know, especially when it comes with this, back to your point of why would you do that? I thought a lot about this idea of how we could disincentivize the self-promoters from self-promoting. And there's a couple examples from, you know, the, the mountain athlete world that kind of come to mind. One was Alex Tonnold. I don't know if you know him. He's a mm-hmm. climber. He's, he's a climber who's famous for climbing in Yosemite without ropes and oh. uh, and overcrowding is a big thing in climbing too, right? Yeah, it it is. That's, uh, but oh, in this that's case, not, I gather that's not where you're going, but I know no, that no. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, same type of thing with self promoters and uh, guidebooks and stuff. But uh, anyway, the idea of free soloing is what it's called without ropes is is seen by many people as being irresponsible. And Cliff Bar happened to be a sponsor of him. And when he started doing this, they dropped his sponsorship. Now, it's not like there were other people who were lining up to do that. They thought, I don't want to speak for Cliff Bar, but if I understand correctly, they were like, hey, this guy is you know, doing something that's irresponsible and might encourage other people to do it. And when you fall off that rope, you die, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I just remember reading about that. And then a few years after that, or maybe about the same time, another rock climber named Dean Potter is a famous rock climber. He went to uh, down southern Utah, I think the Arches National Monument, and climbed a famous arch there, which is off limits to climbing. And he did it for a photo shoot. And at the time, he was sponsored by Patagonia, and Patagonia dropped him. Oh, wow. Because I heard he was, like rumors of, of hunting celebrities doing illegal stuff just because they're so desperate for um, the attention. But yeah, you know, I don't. You know, I, it seems right now it's pretty difficult to get dropped as a sponsored self-promoting hunter unless you poach or do something significantly illegal. Or don't kill but, enough shit. Yeah, perhaps. But I think that if we can work to create an ethic along the lines that you're talking, you know, along the lines of just being quiet. Um, we, we, a few years ago, or three years ago, we actually did a study. We took a look at like the last... 100 Instagram posts for several companies. 
mm-hmm. and we created a, a social uh, a way to score it, and then we redid it again last year. And actually, there was some improvement um, overall. There was you know less you know less kill shots, less stupid grip and grin uh, pictures where you know non hunters just see the beautiful animal, dead beautiful animal, and the asshole killed him, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and so there has been some improvement um along those lines at least that way is there's we we put together you know we put together every year and i know you want to talk about this our our list of self-promoters and yeah yeah um, yeah um yeah i'd like i'd love to hear about it i was a little depressed i just looked at it and even though i wrote this anti-hunting social media article what that ended in a clarion call to people to stop following that garbage and gave like eight or 10 reasons that would benefit their own freaking health and their <laughs> archery abilities and, and their chances of drawing tags, you know, all these ways it would end reduce crowding for them. And still these dudes on your list, their number of followers went up from your last. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was definitely you know, depressing. I've like had I said, zero was, impact, man. I know. So we did see an improvement in that, in that one study we did, but in yeah, this one, yeah, yeah. Every, every, every one of these guys, you know, their number of followers and Instagram followers and YouTube subscribers went up. So the market is still growing. I hope it's plateauing for Christ's sake, but yeah. it's still growing. It's depressing. So, I mean, so, okay. So your idea for disincentivizing all the hey look at me dudes on social media and girls is is what i I think one one way that we can can try to do it is to take a look at the companies that are enabling them through sponsorships um and And, and and try to and try to come in some and try to disincentivize the companies some in some way well, to, to put some limits on the companies, for example, like we have a, we've developed something, uh, um, social media guidelines for companies. And for example, no kill shots, no stupid trophy shot, grip and grin fake pictures, no, um, uh, gore. You know, like, like okay. So you don't come out against grip and grins in general, just ones where there's gore. No, no. We're against grip and grins in general. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, I am too. Yeah. Yeah. They're terrible. Um, but, uh, but when we have, when we, we can identify a hunting self promoter who does something questionable, like take a long range shot, right? For some of these guys, you specialize in, in extreme range, uh, you know, riflemanship or takes an, a questionable, um, uh, archery shot or I think some of these cretins actually back up. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. Back up, I, yeah. Oh, we spot. There's one, there's one, but we're too close. Let's hike, hike back a quarter mile. Um, it's like, I mean, I'm so with you on the fair chase stuff. We don't need any more technology in hunting. Um, like at some point, like when there's people, what if you just had a button that you could press in your living room that made an animal be dead out there somewhere? Listen to this. I, I, it's I like, where does it freaking stop? 
I, I attended I attended the Game and Fish Commission meeting and I had a, a senior game warden tell me, hey, yeah, you know, I seen the stuff you wrote about Fair Chase and he had gone to, I think it was a Mule Deer Foundation banquet, you know, where they do all the uh, the stupid uh, auctions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. one of the things they were auction, auctioning was a remote deer hunt in Texas where there was a camera and a gun and uh, some type of robot that drove out there and, and you got to do it remotely. It's, so it's, oh, it's here already. my yeah yeah but anyway i think that if we can you know and we need to in terms of disincentivizing these guys we we got a couple couple reasons to do it you know you're you're concerned about and i i share the concern um about hunting should be quiet and the ethics of promoting it self-promotion um i i have a deeper concern about the political impact of it where i think these these hunters these self-promoters and these kill shots and stuff are our direct political appointments to the future of hunting. Yeah. And, uh, so I want, I, I want to hear about that. Like, yeah. wh- tell me about, it looks like, it sounds like you, um, look into what's going on in the anti hunting world. Um, it's like, it's so funny, man. I, sometimes I feel I, not just feel, I really am. I'm more aligned spiritually and emotionally with anti-hunters than i am self-promoters and hunting like i'm closer to be and i'm a dude that freaking hunts a lot and i fish a lot a lot of organisms um cease to be organisms by my hand but i just hate all that shit so much that i'd rather that the anti-hunters won but like I want to hear, so you, to yeah, because this is, this is a point of departure for you and I, you're a little more, I'm a little more concerned about, uh, people hunting for the wrong reasons and people deviating from the spirit of what hunting is supposed to be about and the gross, like monetization of it. And you're a little more concerned and I respect your viewpoint about the threats it poses from anti-hunters to be so public about hunting. So what do you, what do you know about that? Well, we, uh, we actually took a look at, uh, we did a, a pretty in-depth uh, project on anti-hunters, anti-hunter groups and their messaging and their tactics. And there are just some interesting things that you, you kind of see that they do that, um, are playing out in the world right now, the soft underbelly of hunting, like, uh, like, uh, Europe in 1939, <laughs> uh, the Belgium of hunting is predator hunting. And you're seeing that right now with the uh, restrictions on bear hunting in different States and, uh, more and more, uh, uh, attempts to end coyote hunting contests and stuff. Predator hunting just is just, out of control these guys just need to clean up their own act we we understand that it takes what, a lot what, of what kind of what sort of things are they doing disproportionately compared to big game hunters that are um that that that, that are that excite that the anti-hunting crowd well understand that our um when we us and anti-hunters are playing to the same field and that's the non-hunter right and yeah, let's just yeah, take yeah. a look. Yeah. Let's just take a look at coyote. A coyote looks like a dog. 
right? <laughs> you can call it a coyote, you can call it vicious, but it looks like a small dog. Yeah, they're uh, damn and you've got cute. these guys shooting these uh, ARs and stacking up coyotes and blasting them out and shooting them with shotguns and just being bloody about it. And it yeah. looks like no, they're killing a bunch me, of dogs. I mean, that's that's way more disturbing to a non-hunter than somebody shooting a deer. Right now, now you go and you take a look at there's other elements to it, right? Um, uh, predator hunting, uh, you know, uh, black bears over bait, right? Mm-hmm. It's just there's a fair chase issue. I don't think it's legal in Montana, right? You can't bait uh, bears. No, no. I grew up in Michigan, and there you could. Right. And I, I don't know. I never, I've never thought about as like somebody that's that was. I, I, I did it. I, and I shot one and I, I also, we can also bait deer there. And I did that. Um, I don't, I suppose if I went back and lived in Michigan, there's no way I'd bait deer, but man, if you were to try to hunt a bear in Michigan without bait, that would be a fool's errand. There's yeah, no you know- freaking way you would, I went my whole life. And never saw a bear in Michigan ever until I put a bunch of stinky shit out in the woods and <laughs> sat by it. There's a difference between predator hunting and predator control, right? So predator control is government mandated predator control. Now predator control, you can bait bait animals, you can do what you need to eliminate animals, but that's not hunting. Hunting is something different, and we need to protect the idea of hunting yeah, and, and, and here's, here's what surveys have shown. It's, it's really simple. The majority of Americans, like 80% support hunting. If it's ethical, it's done a fair chase. The animal has a goddamn chance and you eat what you kill. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're, uh, you know, baiting bear and you're not eating it, it goes against both those. If you're yeah. blasting, if you're calling in coyotes with electronic calls and you're not eating them, it goes against both those. It's not that complicated. And by yeah, that, yeah. And the, and the, pre, I mean, there's a whole industry of predator, you know, hunting calls and fancy ARs and stuff like that. And I was watching one of these guys on our list, Eckler or something. He has a video up where he's shooting Kyle's from helicopters. Oh, right? oh my God. It, yeah. It's just fucking gross and it's political suicide one of the things that, that i yeah, did no, so what do you do you check into what the anti-hunting community is how they're responding to content like that yeah we i we we, we try to follow as best we can you know the in the anti and the understand the anti-hunting community is one part of the animal rights world right uh, but the animal rights world is i mean I think I, I told you this before, you know, my, uh, my, my partner grew up in Idaho Falls, you know, Mormon family. <laughs> She's not exactly a, a, a liberal, but she won't let me buy eggs that aren't cage-free eggs. Right. She has uh-huh. to have cage-free eggs. Yeah. I, I get, I'm, the, I'm the, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. The, I, the animal, the animal rights stuff is gaining ground in America. I mean, no, I don't think they sell eggs that aren't cage-free at Costco, you know, um, but that's just all part of the, this growing animal rights movement, and they're attacking hunting right now through the soft underbelly of, of predators. Okay, that you see what I mean? Sense. So they're yeah. gonna they're gonna now understand these groups. They have to. It's not like the anti-hunting. It's not like any activist non nonprofit 
ever completes their mission and folds up, right? <laughs> they got to go on to the next thing because it's there. We did industry. it kind of. A th- yeah, I'm, I'm trying right. to think of examples of like, well, we, I don't know. Um, no, you're right. I, I can't think of a single one that was like there. Well, maybe like in Vietnam when we, yeah, when something we like that. Out of Vietnam, they, they I mean, finally won. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, you can see how this is the, this is the, the cruel reality of hunting. Animals suffer and die for our sport, right? Yeah. We don't need them. We don't need them to eat. I mean, so that idea that, you know, I'm, I've eaten, you know, I mean, it's all, it's on thin ice actually politically. And I like you, I, I think that hunters need to, you know, hunker down and quiet up. Yeah. You know, quite frankly. Yeah. We need to be loud about conservation and access and quiet about everything else, basically. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, we, I thought a lot this about, you know, I, the, the problem with hunting kill shots and all that stuff, you and I, you know, we both grew up watching hunting movies and the problem is that that content is made for hunters, but it's seen by non-hunters. Mm-hmm. So what we'd like to see is to see that content get behind some type of wall on the internet, whether it be a paid membership site, something you had to least register for. Anyway, you couldn't just be surfing Instagram, you know, and find a kill shot movie or something. No, like that. no that's that's a really nice fallback position, like a great compromise. Um, yeah. That would be a, a a really good positive step. I, obviously, I think you and I both agree that we wish it would just go in, away entirely. But um, it, yeah, it's it's not gonna. And, and the main political concern with, for us right now is is that the non hunters are seeing this, and we're we're growing anti hunters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just we just are. And, you know, if I was an anti hunter. I would, and I was trying to make a splash. I would focus in on the bragging, the bragging, like, and uh, what would infuriate me more than anything is. Like anti hunters don't wouldn't want you to shoot even one deer. Could you imagine? Like if I was them, I'd focus on people that are shooting twenty times more than they could ever consume in a year. Like doesn't that that makes their case for them? That's why I say that's one of the reasons why I say I'd rather they win than the fucking influencers win, is because like it's so gross to me this like people killing. 20 times more than they could consume in a year because they're trying to keep the Instagram feed rolling. And then in hunters like you and me that hunt quietly, we have to somehow by association as hunters be affiliated with that crap. It's so unfair to me. Yeah. There's a couple of thoughts about that. One is that for every one of those tags that they're, and this has come for you again, that they kill for content. Some other, regular person didn't get that tag right yeah who just wants to just you know, wants to have like the a, experience yeah and, but but the other thing is that i think that these guys are the victims of their own success because 
if the game and fish agencies aren't giving them tags, which I hope isn't happening for marketing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no then, uh, you know, then you'll, you'll kind of see it like a Newberg show now, you know, where, you know, and, and even meteor where, you know, it's not that the star who's doing all the hunting anymore, you know, he's got his cameraman out there and buddies and stuff because they, they, they can't draw tags as much as they could because they've advertised it so much. There's so much competition. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So there has to be a reason, you know, that now they got their cameraman, you know, filming their cameraman, you know, doing a hunt or, you yeah. know, some buddy or something like that. Yeah. I don't, when I think about TV dudes and gals, I think, I think that there's, they're not in the top quartile or 25% or whatever of, of hunters in terms of passion for hunting. Because I think if you really loved hunting, you wouldn't compromise it by having a freaking camera with you all the time, which turns it into not hunting in my opinion, but at the very least it, it, it makes the experience just a shell of what it would be otherwise. And then what your point is, is like they're slowly making it so that they can't, they themselves can't hunt or they have less opportunity. But I don't know. At the same time, a lot of these TV freaking dudes, I've noticed that like rich, rich men, they love to fanboy hunting TV people. And they start having them to their place to hunt all the time, you know? So even if they can't draw tags, they can still go, well, however you do that. Like in some cases, it's landowners sponsor tags. A lot of cases, it'll be down in some state where there's a bunch of non-native species that they can have their, the guy they're a, they're a fan of come down and, you know, so it doesn't really, I mean, I see where it does, it does, it is impacting them in terms of, Making it harder for them to, they're making it harder for themselves to draw tags. But there's kind of a buffer there because of the land barren fanboy effect, you know. We kind of have an interesting, you know, we have a, a difficult problem here. How can we account for the fact that hunting industry is going to market and, and they're going to market hunting stuff? And the goal of hunting stuff is to kill shit. Um, so how can they market that stuff um, without showing a lot of a lot of killing and and this but they understand is that for them it's kind of they're like killing their their own industry because anti-hunting is just going to grow i mean it's not that big of a step from a coyote to a deer quite frankly yeah. you know they're both cute um so uh and uh so how how do we accommodate for this if we could somehow change what right now the the self-promoting hunters are all looking the same right they all have the same there's, there's not a lot of difference between one from the there's other there's not a lot that some of them have more charisma some are definitely smarter than others but yeah but i mean if we could somehow change through through the industry to say okay now we're going to start just cleaning up what we're doing right now in other words no gore no kill shots focus on the experience on the preparation for the hunt, um, you know, and, you know, maybe the meal stuff that makes you have something eating it, that that's one step. But then if there's another way somehow to make shift the self promoter away from the guys out there doing it now, you know, I, I listened to the, 
the podcast on Kafaro where those guys are criticizing your your meteor podcast appearance. I think I told you this. There was this. There's a lot like to 30, criticize there. I did not do a very good job. They were they were thirty five to fifty five and all bragging about their Instagram accounts. I'm just like, <laughs> what a grown yeah, ass man! It's just, what a grown yeah, ass man! You know, so, have an Instagram chat for. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's so eye popping that I a grown laughing. man would give a love, shit. Of, like, yeah, that that Aaron Snyder dude, he was coming at me so hard. I heard. I can't listen to people criticize me. But when I, I, I mean, he, I heard some of the shit he was saying about me. I wanted to freaking sodomize him with a fire extinguisher. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just, I mean, I, when they, when they said that, I swear to God, Matt, I just started laughing out loud. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just started laughing. They told me their ages and they were all, you know, talking about how often they post and all this stuff and yeah. how many lives they've changed, you know, from posting, you know, their stories. I was just laughing so hard. It was, yeah. I thought I was listening to a bunch of teenage, you know, 13 year old girls. Yeah. It yeah. Really, it was really yeah. fucking funny. Um, so, okay. So my, my, if, oh, it's fun to think about, what if in 10 years, I think in 10 years, it's going to be, we're going to be closer to Europe and Africa than we are now. I think we're living in, in the end times. I don't think we're going to win, but obviously I must think that I must think there's some chance that it'll go back to being what it's supposed to be that I'm speaking out, you know? So I hold out some hope, but, uh, my, if I had to say, let's say I'm told, I was told like a crystal ball that in 10 years it'd be way better. And I was to figure out and I had to guess why. I would guess it was because hunters woke up, like put the pieces together and realized that um, the influencers following them is not in their best interest watching hunting tv is not in their best interest supporting nonprofits that are in bed with the hunting celebrities and totally beholden to the hunting in- industry and and thereby immersed in r3 um, all of that stuff, hunters just stopped supporting. That would be what I would guess would make it better. What do you, if I found out that it had gotten better, what, what do you, how do you, what do you think of that? I, I, I do, th- I do believe that the influence of social media in general is, is on the plateau and decreasing. I mean, the last report from Facebook for the first time ever, they had a decrease in daily users. Now, Facebook is just one social media platform, mm-hmm. um, but I do, I just do have the sense that that is, it's plateaued and starting to decrease, even though the numbers for our self-promoters this year don't really show that. Yeah. It I, might I be a lagging, a la- it might lag with hunting behind a little bit or, you know, right, right. Yeah. That would be the now, that would be the hope. Um, and, and I, I wonder also if there isn't, you know, I remember reading a men's health or a men's journal or seeing a headline three, four years ago where, you know, hunting was a new pinnacle 
masculine sport, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and I I've come to the point that I, I'm not too sure we should call hunters athletes because it it points out that it is a sport and being a sport I don't think is good for the future of hunting. No, um, no, it's uh, not a sport. It's not a sport. It's a way. So to, I mean, yeah. There's, there's something about it, right? It's not. It's not a. No, I hate that shit, man. Like, and the, and that's, it's it's a motif. It's a, become a motif on social media. Here, here I am climbing the mountain with seventy pounds of rocks in my right, backpack. Right. Here I am shooting my bow. Oh, and look! Yeah. Now I got the great biggin. You know, it's just like, no, man. It's just that's freaking not my that is just not my vision of hunt, what hunting is you know if you love it so much why don't you just turn the freaking phone off and do it you know it's like they don't love it enough to do it without the adulation yeah the the other thing is that just amongst the social media accounts you know those guys are there's so much competition that yeah i heard yeah you you and i have talked about this a little bit i'm I'm curious about this you're saying they compete amongst themselves for attention right oh yeah they i mean there's so much competition amongst them and, and you'll kind of see it as we did a, we did a a study of the elk shape guy and kind of took a look at how he kind of came on you know he's kind of doing this thing and then he mm-hmm. hired this guy to help him and then he started posting much more often and much more so gear he posts hired like us somebody that was social media savvy to help him. Right. Exactly. And, uh, anyway, how did you find it, out about that? No, uh, we just, he advertised it on, <laughs> you know, his, I mean, he's, I mean, there's, there's quite a few, there's quite a few of these, uh, self promoters who have podcasts and YouTube videos about how they came and came along, you know, how they shoot, how to shoot, uh, hunting videos, how to do podcasts. Oh yeah. You, you can, if you, if you, if you alarmingly, if you get on YouTube and you type in how to attract sponsors in hunting, you'll be regaled with about freaking 15 videos. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that some of that content like that just shows how much competition there is to produce content and the content's going to get sillier and sillier and more spread out. And eventually I'm hoping that, over overall the i mean everything comes in waves right and and overall though we're down already that the western hunt the western resident hunters we kind of know what the game is right we understand that it's not it's not the youtube videos so these these self-promoters are competing for this the same group market of you know men who hunt whitetail in the east you know ages 25 to 45 and there's only so many of those guys and they've, you know, they've, they've got to be getting the saturation point of marketing sometime. Mm, yeah, it, It'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, on, on the other hand, you see the on, con- well, within the other, I guess the other thing, if you think about all the new small hunting companies that are kind of starting, right. So, you know, the stone glaciers, the exos, uh, our galley douchebags, um, all those guys are kind of coming up and they're, taking money away from the big the bigger uh, companies that have been doing this for a while okay. which means they they have left they have less money to pay sponsorships for anyway it, it could be that there'll be significantly less of this stuff 
you know, in the future. And what is on hopefully will be sanitized, you know, for from a political standpoint. And uh, and it was if it isn't sanitized, it'd be behind some type of paywall mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. That that's 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 what I hope happens in ten years for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting to think about. Uh, the, the there, yeah, there'd be so many folks competing for a slice of that pie, and what's what's the implication of that? We does, in in our in our uh, list this year of hunting self-promoters we have like a bunch of them grouped at number 20 and these are people who have you know kind of up and coming but they got less than fifty thousand combined you know freaking subscribers and followers (laughs) but some of them you know like one person shops you know their own you know company and they you know got one or two sponsorships anyway if we can somehow keep on pointing out the silliness of it and and take the sickness of the world yeah that's where I'm at with it is, yeah. I mean, things come and go. Like, like parachute pants, you know, um, that used to, those, there was a time when those were so like those people wore those pants unironically. They were like pants that you wore. And then, they fell out of fashion and you imagine there was a, now I don't know what people would think, but like right after they fell out of fashion or as they were falling out of fashion, if you wore them, you'd get ridiculed. And I just wonder, could it be that become that way with hunting social media where it's like, Oh, here we go. Here's another one, you know, trying to freaking look at me. I'm the best badass hashtag. Freaking sick of hashtag freaking yeti hashtag blah, blah, blah. <laughs> could it yeah. just make could it become passe just organically become passe i don't know i mean yeah. i feel like folks like you and me if 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 we have any success then we're then it'll be through speeding that along making pointing it out in a way where people start looking at it for what it is like a thing that people do. Um, they're doing the thing, the thing where you try to look like a, a hunting God and shoot a ton of shit and, and then monetize it some way. I don't know. Uh, Cause you know, I, I think I, that I think a lot of people the, think that these people are original authentic but they're not right. they're following a formula now right it's just a yeah, the, formulaic and thing the, and the, the advertiser formula right um yeah I, some of the language that you've you've rocked the debate really helped me kind of do a better job of pointing out you know the self-promoter word was really essential you know all yeah. of a sudden no this isn't this isn't a hunting athlete this is a friggin self-promoter and that yeah. just right there you know, brings to it, you know, some, some negative con- connotation, you know? Um, and now we've got, now we've got a list of the, the top companies, you know, who enable these self-promoters. So, you know, that's on our website. Yeah, I too. saw that you have a recent article on that. 
yeah, so people now can make their own purchasing decisions. And I own a bunch of shit from a lot of these companies, you know. Um, right. But that, you know, going forward, I'm going to take a look and say, hey, you know. Um, oh, I I, be, I think there's some very small companies out there. If I mean, this could be something you could do as well. But if I don't know if anybody more than my mom and my niece are going to listen to my stuff or whatever. But if I end up having a few people tune in, um, then my thing is, but I don't know, man. Cause like, I, like I, I was almost said this a few minutes ago, then it, I lost my train of thought, but Oh, let me, uh, now I got 10 threads in my head at once. Let me ask you this. How, what percent of public land hunters and that's a, like important distinction, I believe, because if you're hunting private land, n- none of the stuff that we're talking about really matters much, except the if like turning um, anti-hunter, you know, energizing anti-hunters that applies to everybody. But a lot of the things we got we're talking about apply to public versus public hunters, public land hunters. So, what percentage of public land hunters do you think are convincible? Like they're a kind of a compliant group. They just take what the hunting celebrities and the nonprofits tell them as gospel because those are the only voices they listen to. That no, it's not it's not the only voices that are there that um they can hear. They're the only voices there are. There's no except for like you. And maybe well, someday me, everybody <laughs> that has a voice in hunting makes money off hunting. So what I'm trying to say is, what if voices and viewpoints like yours and mine entered the hunting zeitgeist? What percent of public land hunters do you think are convincible that they're operating in their own their own worst interest by feeding into the hype, following the self-promoters? Watching hunting TV, all that stuff. You know, I, I, I'm a kind of a natural pessimist. I would say maybe 20 percent. That's it. And, See, and, to and, me, it seems it, like there's so many people that really are in it for the hunting, and that they care. Yeah, but, at the end of the day, they care more about the hunting than the hunting culture and the hunting entertainment. And that if you could make it clear that there was a choice, either you're going to value your hunting. Or you're going to hunting, value hunting culture and entertainment that they would choose hunting. Oh, it's so depressing if you're right that it's only fifteen percent. And the only reason I say that is because you know I, I've been pretty critical of a, a Randy Newberg, and that dude has some serious fanboys. I mean, who are like from Wyoming, you know, and oh. like oh, like this guy's a you know greatest guy in the world and all this stuff. I'm like you know he's. <laughs> are these people that are real that are uh, hardcore hunters? Yeah. You know, and they're like just super fanboys of him. And I'm just like, I just can't understand why you don't see the problem. Well, yeah, and maybe if they start to experience their opportunity getting more and more restricted and their quality getting shittier and shittier. And now now and now you see that backlash, right? You, you know these guys. You know, there were several of the self-promoters or advertised a couple over-the-counter elk units uh, up in Idaho near Salmon, Idaho. Resident hunters got pissed. 
and they, you know, they got the game into the commission there and they changed it. So yeah, it absolutely, you know, there is, there is some resident hunter backlist. It'll come from, you know, resident hunters. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I even people I know who, you know, they, they don't really, one of the, one of the concerns, there's a couple, there's a couple obstacles for us. One, one huge obstacle is just getting canceled by the hunting industry. And I, I told you this before I've done. Yeah, but that's I've the done, beauty. That's the beauty of the digital world is right. that you can't <laughs> make it so fun. Well, I don't know. I've been, nobody's going to, nobody can stop me from speaking to this freaking microphone and then putting it on Spotify. They just can't. Right. You're right. I guess. Um, and, and perhaps all I know is in my own experience, uh, you know, we've done three pot. I've done three podcasts before and every one of them has been spiked. <laughs> oh no, no. I heard you on one podcast. Yeah. And I, I, I've done four podcasts and, and, and three, three of them got, got spiked. spiked. And, uh, you know, so, and I, yeah. I got, and I got you, said, you told me one time that you've also been kicked off some hunting forums. Tell me about like, what are you saying in these appearances and what are you typing into these hunt forums that are, that is so heretical that you get silence? Uh, Newberg kicked you off his forum because I took issue with what's his forum. It's called hunt talk. It's one of the ways he makes money. Okay. And, uh, I've heard of that. And so, yeah, he kicked me off that one. Um, I had criticized, he had a, you know, his Amazon show. And in, in one episode of Amazon show, he, Wait, he, takes, he like, was hunting in the Amazon. No, he was hunting, was hunting moose in Canada. I think it was on his Amazon prime show. Oh, that's okay. TV show. okay. Oh my God. And, and that's took, how much <laughs> I, I don't know about this. Cause I have to hold my nose to look at it. So I don't know well, much about it. We, I was actually going through and doing some research on how many animals he killed that season. So that's how come I was, I was doing that. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and he, and he took like, like a 470 yard, five yard shot. I forget the details, but it's a long shot. This moose ended up taking like five or six or seven shots. You know, he hit it Just in the crack, antlers one crack, time. Cracking away at it. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Putting this on. For, well, on your show. Yeah. But. Yeah. So this is something that I talk about a lot, so much, and I don't know why nobody seems to care. But I think I know the animals get wounded. All the people that would that have their shit on Instagram before the meat cools when things go right are zipper lipped when they wound something. And I know damn well, I know. No, no, beyond a doubt, no, that because just firsthand experiences and because of a lifetime of hunting, that hunting shows omit that stuff too. And like I, I say, that when you wound an animal, that's the most consequential thing that happened on that hunt. And if you don't put it on your on your show or your Facebook freaking whatever you're lying by omission you're leaving out an incredibly important detail so i say that's immoral and then i think 
okay, the alternative, one alternative is you put it on. And I think that that is extremely problematic. Okay, so now you're going to put on the shot where you wounded something or, miss, you know, not miss, wounded something. Well, doesn't that give in fodder to the anti-hunters and thereby shot, like decreasing the, the, increasing the risks for guys like you and me that don't show any of it? So then I come down to, you could show all of it and pose risk with anti-hunters. You could show only when it goes right and you're bullshitting people. So the only truly ethical option is to show none of it. Yeah, I'm with you there for sure. You know, I've, I've heard you argue about the idea of, you know, you should, you know, show that the, the bad, but the bad is not going to be good for the future of hunting. No, no. Then, that's why I come down. I'm, even, equally, even the good I'm equally alarmed by the prospect of showing all of it and showing just the happy parts. They're both right. equally alarming to me. So why not just show none of it? Even, yeah, even, even, even the happy parts, you know, if it's a quick kill and they show the kill shot, I mean, there's no reason. This is what I don't understand about the social media networks, right? I, I don't know. I haven't looked, but if I was to search YouTube of dogs getting shot, I don't think I would find, you know, very many YouTube videos of domestic dogs getting shot. Mm, yeah. You or search, livestock. You, you, search, you, you search coyote hunting and there's going to be all kinds of kill shots of coyotes. Yeah. One of the things that we're going to work on is try to get the social networks to sanitize that stuff. Yeah. And I think we, I think we'd be criticized by the hunting say you're trying to cancel hunting. <laughs> no, I'm trying to cancel those dumbasses. Trying who to are protect hunting. To, yeah. Or, yeah, we're trying to protect you know the dumbasses who are putting you know, you know committing political suicide for us. So what? Okay, so how did you get kicked off these forums, and how did you get kicked off, or how did why why did they not why did these podcasts decide not to air your episodes? You know, I, uh, the podcast is a little, a little interesting because, you know, it's a pretty big investment, but one was with Exo Mountain Gear, and I'm pretty sure that our approach towards non-resident hunters and wanting to stick up for resident hunters, you know, those guys, they sell packs to <laughs> resident hunters. But I'm betting most of their packs are to non-resident hunters coming out here for a year, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you, know, to, you know what I mean? So... Uh, and, did they know uh, what you were about before they had you on? I I should have. I mean, we our website was up. Well, under um, what? Yeah, it's like under what premise were they having you on? Like they had to know that what you were, what you were going to basically argue. You know, in our our uh, we our ethics stuff, especially our shot range restrictions. A lot of hunters hate that stuff. Um, so, and our our shot range restrictions are just based on fair chase. You know, which is pretty simple. The animal has to be able to detect the hunter and if detected, elude him. And if you're shooting over 400 yards, at least, of course, according to the Wyoming Game and Fish Biologists, most ungulates can't detect you. Mm. And so we have like a 400 range. Those uh, biologists you know, haven't, haven't gone afield with uh, me and my stinky ass. Then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my um, God. I guarantee you I've had animals win me for more than 400 yards. Uh, I'm just, I have a musky smell. Right. The, the, the good thing about the, uh, the shot range restrictions though, is that 
it addresses all the technological increases automatically, right? So if you have, you know, rifles are, it's not like the guys that can make these shots now could have done it in the 1980s as one of those rifles, right? right. The technology right. Is, has changed and increased. Uh, but, I mean, you'll never be able to keep ahead of the technology. In fact, Idaho actually has, I think they still have a, a law in the book that says you can't hunt with the hunting rifle that's over 16 pounds. Because at that time, when they put it on there, those big long-range rifles are that heavy. But now they're oh. just eight, eight pounds, right? Yeah. So if you have a shot range restriction, that's a way to, you know. And, and the fact is, if you look extreme. It'd be how, hunting, awfully hard to range, enforce, though. Yeah, but 95% of hunters follow all the game laws, which are very hard to enforce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That No, that's a solid freaking point. I could poach my ass off if I wanted to. Exactly. I mean, it's not, and like most hunters going to do it and it sends to the, to the non, to the non hunters, it sends a really clear stand on fair chase, mm-hmm. right? It says we shouldn't be taking thousand yard shots and animals where they have no idea we're here. I mean, if you, it's if you got, take, it simply has to stop at some point, it has to stop because like I said earlier, if you take it to the extreme, if you try to make the point ad nauseum, it's you sitting on your couch and pushing in a button that makes an animal be dead. Um, right. Somewhere. Like you're at such remove. Um, yeah. It, it, but at, the, at, at one, I think about this and it just like, at one thing that comes to mind is we've come to a point where we're kind of, society is operating in a way where you have to put restrictions on your own abilities to make it remain authentic. You know, it's a weird thing for it to remain authentic. We can't, we can't do everything in our power anymore. Like prior to the industrial revolution, there was never prior to 50 years ago, there was probably never a time where man said, I'm going to make it harder for me to harvest game. I'm not going to use every tool at my disposal. But now we're at a point where if you want to have it be anything like what it once was, you're going to have to. Well, in this case, it's not hunting, it's shooting, right? If you're going to shoot that distance, just shoot metal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I admire those guys. I mean, those guns are expensive and all that stuff, but you know, I wonder if there was. I, mean, I wonder if Native Americans ever said that to one another. One another, when the first <laughs> flintlock ended up in their camp. Yeah, you know, you know the, the, the were you really going to shoot it at seventy yards? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, I don't the, the know. difference. The difference here is that the animal needs to be able to detect the hunter, and and that's in question for yeah, extreme long shots. Sure, sure, yeah. That's based on no fair chase. But, okay, so I still want to know. Okay, so there's one of them. One, with those guys, did they, how did it go down? Did You just never heard the episode, or did they have the decency to contact you and said and say, I, we're afraid some of our customers are going to find your viewpoints um, well, controversial? Well, I emailed them and said, Hey, when are you going to you know, publish this thing? And they were just hemmed and hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed. And then, you know, pretty much let me know they just weren't going to publish it. Oh my God. So, yeah. 
I, I, I think mean, it's interesting. I, I, I'm a fledgling plot podcaster, but if somebody's going to take the time to sit down and think about what they want to say and have a conversation with you, man, that just seems like bad, bad taste well, you, to you, not. You, there's a difference, though, between you and you know, these other guys. You're not trying to make money from hunting, right? No. So, if so, I was, this would be a terrible, right. terrible way to do it. Oh, because <laughs> I'm not going to, I will never take a dime. I'll never take a dime. I might like sell some shirts, some hunt quietly shirts or something. I definitely want to do that. And I might keep a buck from each one of them because I want to hire somebody to, God, I'd love to hire somebody to work on my website and produce this freaking podcast because it's time consuming, man. Um, so, but I, I'm, I'm in the hole and I don't care if I ever come out. I spent, I bought a laptop. I took a class on learning how to podcast. Uh, I have a pay account with zoom. Um, you know, so I'm in the freaking hole. I'm thinking of this as my way of giving back to hunting. Not, I'm not trying to take stuff from hunting. Well, you know, if these other companies, if they, you know, have me or you on, you know, they, they might lose customers. So sure. that might be what drives them or no, viewers, we're the, right? We're the pariahs of, we're the Will Smiths of hunting. No. <laughs> um, I hope by the time I put this out, I haven't put out any of the recordings I've made yet. That people still remember what he did at the Oscars a couple nights ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I'd like to, I know, I know I, I want to talk to you about the nonprofits, the hunting nonprofits. Oh yeah, no, that's on my earlier. list of questions for you. So great. I was wondering, I know you take issue with them a bit. So I was wondering where you're at there. I, I think you had said it just a little bit ago, how they're kind of in the industry too, right? They're in bed with industry. They're chasing the same market, kind of as Eastern, you know, whitetail type guys. The My I, I, there's two kind of scales for me to kind of think about the nonprofits and the reason I started Mountain Pursuit. And one of the reasons, cause I was not satisfied with what the nonprofits were doing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, on, on one element in Wyoming here in Wyoming specific, we have some Wyoming, you know, kind of based hunting nonprofits and they all get tags from the game and fish commissioners, donated tags, which they auction off to use for fundraising. And we are against these commissioner tags, you know, off the bat. But one of the one of the problems is that the, now the nonprofits they're in bed with the commissioner, so they really can't criticize. Them. Oh, you know I mean? see, that's unique to your state. That's not the case here at all. Yeah, but and so we, I mean, we've a lot of our of, a lot of our commissioners are outfitters, and a lot of at least some of them. Some of the nonprofits, at least tacitly, don't like outfitting. Yeah. Our, so anyway, that neither the, neither here nor there. But that's a unique situation. Either I'm in either Montana's in a u- new unique situation in that respect, or Wyoming is. The the other thing is that a lot of these nonprofits have fairly substantial non-resident memberships. Right, like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Well, yeah, but with them, there's like, if you could, how do you, 
how do you define non-resident? Because like those are both national organizations. So they're, they're residents of some state that. Well, I mean, residents to Wyoming or Montana. So what, what that means is our fights over the fight that we're having in Wyoming over resident preference for hunting tags. These other nonprofits have taken the other side. It's like they're representing the non their non-resident membership. Even yeah, that's true Wyoming. here too. Like backcountry hunters and anglers, they come down on the side of I've I've watched them coming on the side of out of state hunters on in a number of a number of issues. So yeah, same here. Yeah. So that that's one thing. The other concern I have with with the hunting nonprofits. It's like Rocky Mountain Foundation. They, you know, they've trademarked the 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 phrase "hunting is conservation." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you I'm can't have, use I'm that. Have, I have, I'm going to have two people on. I'm going to have two. I have one person scheduled. I'm trying to get another special person scheduled that takes great issue with this idea that hunters built it. So, well, the, uh, the my my point is that what I've kind of seen when it comes to the hard wildlife fights in the west mm-hmm. hunting nonprofits are nowhere to be found the the greenies are the ones that are in the fight and they're in the fight with lawsuits right they like, sue. give me some examples uh um well most of it would have to do with the uh well, the, the obvious ones are like wolves and bears here in wyoming where they're suing to protect those animals um but for example, in uh, um, oil and gas development in Selbit County, you know, green groups uh, fighting some of that development because of its impact on mule deer, right? Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's examples like that where the the hunting nonprofits, even though they they claim to be conservation, they never get in those hard fights. Um, so there's a few examples here. Well, yeah, with with BHA, I mean they. Okay, so here, here's an ex- they definitely don't like mining on the Blackfoot and it came out strongly against that on the Blackfoot River. Um, the uh, so the, I think, I think that I think BHA, BHA in, in Montana they do come on down on the right side pretty forcefully on a lot of some of those issues, environmental issues. Yeah, I just haven't seen that here, I guess, mm-hmm. in Wyoming as much. And so we want to try to stir that up. I mean, and the the way you fight that stuff is through litigation. And uh, that, and so we've we've been, you know, we sued the uh, the forest, uh, the national forest, the uh, forest service over uh, allowing mountain bikes in the wilderness uh, study area. Um, yeah, the, but Mon- we, Montana BHA is. I keep talking about them like they're the only freaking nonprofit, but there's lots of them. Obviously, it's just that's the one I'm most familiar with. I was on the board, but they definitely came out strongly against e-bikes in wilderness areas. That's that's good to hear. The uh, you know um, we sued the governor of Wyoming for not designating some wildlife corridors. Um, we sued. Uh, are we where do you get we, all the money for this li- this litigation from your members? Uh, no, I'm pretty much, that you, 
yeah i'm in the hole too yeah we don't really have a you fund a lot of this oh yeah yeah so yeah me what's your your day job i'm a strength condition coach oh wow no wonder you're so fit looking yeah so i I just tore my rotator cuff i'm gonna need some we're gonna have to hang on after the podcast and give me some advice yeah those feel slow sorry about that um but yeah that uh i don't know I i just think that hunters and hunting nonprofits. I mean, in, in Wyoming, I think throughout the West, the resident hunters are an incredible source, untapped source of political power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's amazing to see in our fight here in Wyoming over resident hunting tags, the, the political power of the Outfitters Association. I mean, there aren't that many of them. There's like 250 outfitters in Wyoming. They're not that big of a group, but man, they, they carry a lot. I oh, really admire crazy. them. I really it's admire crazy. them. And here they're like, yeah. It's here. I mean, this is probably. I'm I'm absolutely sure that it varies from administration to administration. Um, but they have major influence. Uh, they're on their game fish and game commission. We have another commission like the P, pub, the private lands public wildlife commission and they're all appointed and a lot of them are outfitters and now we have this new program where we're paying landowners to provide access to landlocked and that's the board that approves those agreements you know so yeah, yeah it's I mean, crazy it, the, the power they have yeah it's, it's similar down here and it's been it's been fun for me to kind of fun to point it out and kind of go you know in compact they just haven't had resident hunters you fight like you know like we do yeah um, but uh yeah you know we we actually filed an ethics complaint because the the wild uh the president of the the stock or the uh outfit association gave some retiring game and fish commissioners you know like a a free guided rafting trip and a free meal and motel you know clearly violated the ethics issue Sure. stuff in Wyoming. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just crazy how comfortable they are. Yeah. Um, but but the uh, one of, I think one of the reasons the other nonprofits don't stick up about it is because they're they're all on the take from the commissioners, right? They need they need those tags. They like that those tags to auction. Yeah, off. that's not something that's happening here. So, uh, yeah, maybe there's a little that's... more freedom up there to. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I would when I, would I talk that... to outfitters, okay. I've talked to several, or I've talked to. In the last month, I've talked to two outfitters and I never, I've never, I don't know what any outfitters, but now that I'm starting this podcast, I'm like, I talk, I've talked to a couple and they hate BHA. Hate it. So that's probably not the case where you are. Yeah. I can't like really the speak to that. I, they have a warm Warm feelings about BHA. They, they definitely have warm feelings about the Wyoming Wildlife Federation, you know, because the Wyoming Wildlife Federation was, you know, lobbying against resident hunters when it came to our tag allocation issues. Okay. We, we, we called them on that, um, you know, and so that's just, anyway, the, the, the other issue I think is, is in terms of conservation. And I'm glad to hear maybe how strong BHA is up there. And certainly that's not the case here. And, uh, and so real, like what, okay, yeah. So they didn't come out on this oil and gas thing. 
<clears throat> yeah, that's just an e- example. There's other examples. That's just an example where they didn't, right? Uh-huh. So, but there's, you know, there, there, these issues come up at the local level and, and at the state level and even the national level. Wow. And it, you it, know, it's it, traditional. I'm waking up to like how, yeah, a nonprofit's priorities could have be way different depending on the relationship to the fish and game commission in that particular state. Right. Or their relationship with their funding foundations. Right. So generally, you know, Rocky mountain elk foundation is going to, you know, pay for conservation through buying, spending millions of dollars for 50 acres of, you know, private land or something. Um, Whereas, you know, Sierra club or earth just or something will fund a lawsuit and, you know, get wolves listed, relisted. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just amazing the impact that the the green groups have shown us they can have through litigation. Through litigation, so we're, sure. We're we're pursuing some strategies there on the litigation level. And it's different for a, you know, it's it's not the way you'd think. You know, I'm a lifelong Republican, right? To, to have a fifth generation Walmart and lifelong Republican, you know, sue the the state or a federal agency over wildlife. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it's not it's not the typical yeah person who's running the lawsuit right yeah so i gotta ask where you are with r3 and the nonprofits. you know what we never really jumped on that uh not not because of the reason that you were so opposed to it from the crowding issue we had just done some research and found that none of those efforts are very successful Maybe you've seen something else, but oh no, I don't. You mean successful at at recruiting new hunters, turning people into hunters? I think that compared compared to hunting TV and hunting social media, they're trivial. Yeah, Uh, they do, and they engage in hunting social media, but still, they're a small piece of the pie. There, no, it's to me, it's a lost opportunity. Like if the, instead of trying to create more hunters so they can collect more dues and satisfy their corporate sponsors, I think that they should instead come out against hunting TV. If they really care about hunting and the future of hunting and the, in, in the existing hunting community, then to me, they could replace this lost opportunity that is our three with uh, let's not do social media grip and grins anymore. Let's work on educating people about the deleterious effects on their mental health of engaging in hunting social media. And let's, let's uh, investigate and make our membership aware of how hunting TV and hunting social media leads to the privatization of wildlife because that is stuff that's just free advertising to people that are trying to lease out their land and free advertising to outfitters that are trying to that have leased up land and are trying to get people to pay for it. How is it anything but that? That's what it is. It, it's adver- to, to say, I've been saying to say that hunting TV and hunting social media isn't 
advertising for people that are trying to sell access for hunting. To argue that is to argue that advertising doesn't work. Well, I, well, you know the you know what it does do is it increases the demand. That's oh yeah, that's exactly it. It and makes then, by, deer and elk be more monetarily valuable. Exactly right. So now these these commissioner tags. I haven't done the numbers this year, but the commissioner tags. Last time I checked, uh, elk elk tag in Wyoming, limited quote elk tag on the open market was going for about eighteen to twenty thousand dollars, and some go as high as forty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the I think you're exactly right. You know, but I, I just I mean the the interweaving I, I call it the inbred circle jerk between the social the self promoters the hunting industry and the nonprofits. We we need to do a study on this. We tried to do it last year, it just just fell out. But just you know how many so, uh, self promoter nonprofits has. The head of BHA, what's that guy's name? Lantani. Mm-hmm. How many podcasts for those guys has he been on? And how many of those guys have been on the oh, BHA oh, podcast? And how many celebrities guys... are integral to the nonprofits? Like, yeah, it's, it's just kind of all. It's just a big circle jerk. They just go around circle jerking, you know. So how could how could BHA with their Randy Newberg fanboys come out and say, "Hey, Newberg, you're not helping us out," you know, producing you know, video after video of how to apply for OTC tags in Montana to fuck mm-hmm. up mass hunting. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, they no, And that, yeah, that's why it's your, any, anybody that gets on a computer and listens to anybody talk about hunting on their computer is hearing essentially the same story because right. they're, they all have the same they look at it through the same lens and they have the same essential value system. And it's just incredibly, it's just amazing to me. It's amazing to me how clearly not aligned all that shit is with the values of a typical hunter, publicly an hunter. It, 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 all of that stuff, none of it. Uh, I mean, well, I shouldn't say none of it. Some of the nonprofits and even the hunting celebrities, they're on the right side of a lot of issues. You got to gotta give them that. I think I, on balance, they're terrible for, for folks like you and me. Just like guys are trying to go on some public land and shoot a deer. But... Um, they do, they're on the right side of some stuff, but it's just that they're, they're the overwhelming effect of it is negative. Like why not just if you, but the thing is, if you cut out the parts that aren't, if you take, if you, if you disincentivize the parts that of all the hype that are counterproductive, like gripping and grinning and shooting animals, then all the celebrities go away and they don't even have a role anymore. Yeah. And again, I don't know. Well, I'd like to see that happen for all the reasons you point out with, I don't know that it's ever gonna. So my compromise position is just hide that, hide the ghost shit from 
non-hunters. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, well, and I, I, detect, just, I just, I detect, go ahead. I detect a lot of angst in the grassroots hunting community. Like when I started to become a little bit vocal about my concerns, I was a little surprised at how many people were reached out to me and said, damn straight. It's too much. It's too, it's too much. Exactly. That's, that's great. It's too much. Yes. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how many people feel like you and I do. Yeah. Maybe you're right. The 15% number. The thing, the thing about it is that we, I mean, the, the power of a, the ideas are always what carry these arguments. And so, you know, your, your points about hunting quietly, you know, the, the idea behind it, I do think that most hunters get to that point in their hunting career. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't start out that way. You're right. You know, but three or four years in of doing it seriously, they they're they're getting there pretty pretty quick, and and I I have to believe that the market that the self promoters are marketing to is like you said too much. It's getting saturated with all the stuff, and there's going to be diminishing returns, and some of these guys are just going to run out of money. I mean, <laughs> the market might just go ahead and or or the market other or there or you know some of the. Uh, you know the uh, the companies themselves might stop wanting to promote, promote this stuff. Yeah. Although I will, I yeah, will but say that I don't know. It could be like an evolutionary process where, yeah, where the cream rises to the top, and that the competitive the the competitive nature of it makes it so that the most effective salesmen stay in the game, and they're even better than ever. It is disappointing that that the three, I guess, Western hunting big clothing manufacturers would be Sitka, QU, and First Light are all privately held. They're public companies. It would be easier to influence them. Oh, um, but, but because they're private, privately held, it's, oh, it's more difficult. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't know. I think you and I are both destined to fail, but. It is interesting to think about if one of us has, well, we're kind of working together, but you seem to think that if there's headway to be made, taking some of the money and bullshit out of hunting, that you go, well, litigation is one thing, and that's directed towards the fish and game agencies, but you think it's a matter of working against the industry and i think it's convincing hunters to act in their own best interest yeah the for i'll just give an example of the some of the stuff we've done and filled that from the industry perspective yeah yeah that's and that's and, and these are two two nonprofits one was a meal deer foundation they were sponsoring a talk at i think this salt lake hunting expo by Robbie Deming, who is kind of a celebrity mule deer hunter. He, he also owns the rock slide website. 
Oh, but he, he, he's admitted. You got kicked off there too, didn't you? Yeah. But he admitted, <laughs> he, he admitted, uh, I got a placeholder and we got to talk about how that happened. Yeah. He, he, he got admitted or he admitted for to aerial scouting for mule deer. And then he is one of these douchebags who is selling. Wait, is that illegal? Oh, it's unethical. Yeah. Well, Um, well, I mean, ideally ethics and and the law would go hand in hand, but they, I don't know. It's not illegal. It's just unethical. Right. Yeah. I don't think you do like the same day or something. I I don't know. It depends on the state. Right. But then the uh, the other thing was that he was selling locations of deer to this happens in Wyoming. Like there's there's some people who will find these big deer, find out what drainage they're on, scout them all summer, and then sell that to somebody coming out from a non-resident for you know fifteen hundred bucks for that location, right? And he was doing some of that stuff. How do these people when they go out and shoot that deer think that they've accomplished any freaking thing? Well. That's because the the social media has told them it's not really the accomplishment; it's the grip and grin photo on the other side, right? Yeah, you're proving you're badass if you have the picture of the big animal. I, I just like it. These people have got to learn that, that they shouldn't be able to sleep at night. That it's just not. It's not an accomplishment. It's just not pulling the trigger is about five percent of it. Fifty percent of it is going out in the heat of summer and doing a scouting mission well anyway we tried to we we criticized the mule deer foundation for you know sponsoring them and asking them to pull their sponsorship but they didn't <laughs> and another case uh, the the wild sheep foundation sponsors a oh that's interesting a, and it was pretty it was pretty like people were criticizing this guy for flying around looking for at I mean, well, it really yeah, he, did have bad optics. Yeah, he, I mean, it, it was well known that he had done this. Uh-huh. So we just wanted to point it out to Mule Deer Foundation, hopefully have them say, hey, you see this all the time, right? In other other areas, you know, <laughs> you know, a company will say, okay, we're not going to sponsor the speaker because of this stuff that they've been mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, right? but there's, there's, yeah, the nonprofits are so cozy with the hunting celebs that, so, and the, and the, yeah. the, the other one is the Miles Sheep Foundation. We criticized them for sponsoring a extreme range hunting show. And, and you know, and you mean sent, the show sponsored them or they sponsored the show? They, they were listed as one of the sponsors of the show. Oh, yeah. So that's, we, uh, that's like, you know, they had, yeah, they had, yeah. You know, they had unbelievable. They had an ethics thing on their web, you know, on their website about you know long range hunting and, and stuff like that, but they were just this disconnect, right? But if we can just so you reached out to them and said, You why are you affiliated with these people? That are- yeah, why why are you sponsoring these guys? And we sent it to their board president, you know, and everybody, but never heard back. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, all we all we need is all we need is one or two cases where someone does take action. For example, like, let's say we, we send a, you know, like, uh, I think John Dudley is one of a uh, sponsored by Sitka and, and I'm just waiting. I'm he's like sure that dude to... that he's just a, an, ex- an extremely accomplished archer, right? Yeah. But he's kind of gotten to, you know, the hunting thing now uh-huh. and, and uh, the guy, there's probably a lot more uh, money in archery hunting than it is target shooting. Yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, he sells his own products and stuff, but I mean, it's just a matter of time for he, he's going to be, he's like in a fitness too. And it'd be a matter of time when he's, 
you know, taking Instagram pictures of himself shirtless doing curls. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and then we sure. can, you know, send a note to Sitka saying, how come you're sponsoring this guy? He's supposed to be an ethical hunter, you know, kind of doing this kind of crap, you know? Have you ever looked I, at I, the... If you all ever, we gotta do is get one of these guys dropped and if, it'll, if, it'll 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 filter through the community. Go ahead. Have you ever looked at the stats on like return on investment on social media influencers? I looked in that briefly the other day. It's like I it's, it's six dollars per every dollar invested. So it's in oh it's powerful then. Oh sh it blows yeah. other forms of advertising out of the waters number one well so we got our work cut out for us but the, this is this is the thing though matt the these companies are competing against each other for the same dollar and all of their advertising via the, the self-motors looks the same right mm-hmm. so if we can just take one guy and cut him out you know and patagonia has done a fairly good job of this in the in the mountain in this world you know where you know, they really got an environmental sustainable stuff. They dropped Dean Potter. They're seen as just a more ethical and, and, it, and it creates a market position for them. So if we can just have that happen to one of these big companies or small companies kind of start it, we could start impacting some change here. Mm-hmm. At yeah. least at, at least to get the kill shots behind a pay a paywall yeah. so that non-hunters can see them. Yeah. I I I am freaking rooting for for you, but I've had so little success uh, getting anything done that involves government or companies or anything like that. That 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 my I'm solely focused on trying to appeal to individuals now. I tried to get a fishing access site that had closed on government land opened up about four years ago, tried to get it reopened and went through all these hurdles. It's the, it, the, it's at a research lab where I work and Ray, I raised a bunch of money and thought it was, everything was in place. I just had to raise money for this gate, this key code activated gate so that there would be some security. And I went through all the hoops, did all that. And then the big bosses found out about it and shut it down. And it had, and it's been four years and who knows if it'll ever happen. The lawyers are still working on it. Uh, I tried to get for a couple of months now, I've been making noise with our, with Montana fish, wildlife and parks, various entities there to try to get a mandatory training course if you want to hunt private land if you want to hunt private land made available through public programs you have to do some landowner relations training because we're having all kinds of people coming out of our our uh private landers owners coming out of our programs because of people shitting in front of the sign-in box or freaking driving on muddy roads and all that can't make any headway there at all um, it just, there's just so many road blocks trying to get institutions to do anything that that's what may has made me decide that I'm going to try to make an appeal to hunters them directly 
So I don't know what, if your strategy is best or mine is, or probably both are going to fail. But Yeah, I will say that, you know, it's, it's great that you had, you know, such a outreach of individual hunters. Um, we, we, we have a few hunters who support us, obviously, but, uh, I would never call it a, I was never overwhelmed by the outreach. <laughs> yeah. See, by taking a, and I applaud you for it, but by, by taking a resident preference stance, you're, you're, you're making a choice to turn off a lot of people in other States, which is freaking you know, that's. I'm on board with it. I'm on board with it. It's not where I'm going because it's not my, I'm trying to, like I say, I'm, I'm trying to, I've already said what I'm trying to do, but it's more like take the hype out of hunting in general. Oh, no, I certainly understand that that is a, you know, but I'm, I'm not, I don't know anything about hunting in Michigan. I don't, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I don't know. Good for that's a good I, thing. <laughs> I have no, I don't aspire to hunt in Wisconsin, right? I yeah. just want to, I just want to be able to get my deer elk antelope in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I and I want my my other Wyoming residents to be able to do the same. Yeah, and 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 I also want to protect the future of hunting because in Wyoming, just like Montana, it's on public lands, and public land hunting is fragile. Mm-hmm. It's vulnerable to a presidential executive order or a, a law change in Congress or one, you know, I mean, just, just remember how much, Hey, the, what is it? The Leo, the lion, he got killed. You mm-hmm. know, how much, all it takes is, you know, two or three things like that. And you're kind of seeing that now with, you know, restrictions on bear hunting, especially thinking Washington just went through. And, and so, I mean, the, the unethical stuff, the kill shots, the, I mean, it, it, it's because it's all federal land. The fact is that Wyoming ice aren't going to determine the future of hunting in Wyoming. Somebody in Wisconsin could, you know, or, or somebody right. else, right? right. So, um, yeah, we need to, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the self-promotion and the, the too much marketing that you see and the issues that you have with it, I share those. Um, but I also see this really political, big political threat to us because i mean it's political suicide the stuff that's that's yeah. going up there now it yeah. doesn't take a genius to i mean there's a reason that the meat meat packers don't you know show that the cow getting sliced up and getting shot in the head with the 22 round you know, and the, yeah. you know they just they just don't show it it'd it's be one thing suicide it would be one thing if, if there was some redeeming qualities to showing that animals getting killed like yeah it does that one negative thing but look at all the positive it does there's no upside there's just there's no there's there's no benefit i mean i guess if you want to say that entertainment is a entertainment value is a benefit then now this is an idea and you know like i think that people would be better if they were reading a book or out pumping iron than than sitting there watching some other jackass shoot an animal but so it's like it's all downside when you factor in as you do 
the risks with anti-hunters, it's there's that's a downside, and there's no no counterbalancing upside. Yeah, like I, I can't imagine. It, it, I, I could just see the interview right now of you know a Newberg or a Cameron Haynes or some celebrity hunter get on a talk show to debate some anti-hunter, and the moderator saying, "Mr. Haynes, you killed ten bull elk last year." I mean, yeah. Right. Did you eat all those bull elk? And why did you have to kill 10 bull elk? Oh, yeah. How right, in the hell know? would he ever counter that? It disgusts I mean, me and I'm honored. Right. You know, and, and now, now you're hearing these guys countering, oh, you know, I give, you know, I give the, the meat away to, you know, and then I'd be like, well, what about the other hunters? Who wants that to have tag? A, yeah. Yeah. Because you have all the damn tags because you're killing for content. Yeah. No, Are you killing for content because you're selling products for your sponsors? You hear these guys talk about how they give it away and all this and virtue signal about that shit. But it's like elk and deer are precious resource. And there's a lot of people that would love to have the privilege of harvesting just one. Yeah. And you're out there killing, like you said, killing for content. So you can keep the, I I don't, I don't think that any of these guys, the self-promoters make a lot of money. So they must do it for a little bit of money and and the dopamine hits from all the likes they get, right? Yeah, that, that has to be it. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a, some of them that are making a living living off of it. I know there are, but there, yeah, for everyone that's making a living off of it, there's got to be ten that are getting some minor little bit of money or gear off of it, and that the main draw is just the just being a ham. I think a lot of these people probably have freaking daddy issues. Like they just need, they need affirmation for their hunting or whatever, they, whatever they do. They just need, they need to get online and get and get attaboys from strangers. I don't know how people end up that way, but they obviously do. Yeah, I don't, I'm not ready to, to psychoanalyze them, but I I just see the damage that they do. <laughs> it's a little bit out of my out of my. Uh, I shouldn't my say that there. either because that that there's a part of me that thinks that that what I just said is true, but then there's a part of me that realizes that I'm just I I I relish the idea of bragging about stuff I shoot just probably as much as any of them. It's just I control my impulses a bit it's got to be like it's got to be like doing a line of cocaine to shoot some massive thing and then put it on the on the computer on the social media and come back three hours later and and read like 150 people going whoa (laughs) you're the baddest you're badass how can i be more like you you know, it's got to be a thrill. So. I, I think that, and 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 they're. I think we have to answer this question from them, which would be, why do you give a fuck what I do? What? what yeah. And, and and I might and my answer. And my answer is that because you are threatening the future of hunting. Yeah. And oh yeah, and, yeah. I if, the, yeah. if I would I like I say if crowding wasn't an issue, if the planet was five times as big. I, right. I don't care if people want to, 
gloat about what they shoot on the computer and use it to sell products. You know, I, I wouldn't care. I, I wouldn't care. I'd find it annoying, but I wouldn't speak out against it. It's only because it's threatening hunting for guys like you that I care. So agreed. Yeah, that's, and that's, I think that's important to, to understand the difference there. Yeah. Although, although it, it is interesting as I've kind of I thought about this issue to see how it's affecting other, like, like the other recreation stuff you'd mentioned surfing before, you know, the same thing is happening in backcountry skiing, you know, backcountry snowmobiling, fishing, you know, social media has just ruined a lot of great places yeah. for a lot of people because somebody needed to get a dopamine hit from likes or sell some product. Yeah. Yeah. It, the counter, the counter argument is that it's made it made a lot of other people know about it so that they could enjoy it too. You know, so I don't know how to, I don't know how to balance those two things. Uh, um, that's tough. Yeah, I'm silent because I don't have a good answer for that either. And you'll hear that the, 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 the self-promoters say this. You know, so many people have emailed me or texted me that, you know, I've changed their life because they decided to go out west hunting and it was an amazing experience after seeing one of my videos. Right. So I don't I don't know really how to how to respond to that. Other than to say that the backlash from the resident hunters is coming and it's coming in the form of reduced non-resident hunting tags. Yeah. We're trying to do that in Wyoming and it's going to happen in the other Western States. So yeah. another thing buy, is, buy, go ahead. Is, another thing is none of these people, none of the hunting celebrities gave a shit about there being more hunters or drawing people into hunting prior to the day they started making money off of it. Right. So it's not like they're doing it because they want to increase the number of people are enjoying the experience. Right. Yeah. They're, they're trying, they're monetizing it. Exactly. Right. It's not, they're letting it sound like they're doing it out of the, the goodness of their hearts or whatever, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, well, we've been at two hours. I'm looking at my list here real briefly to see if there was anything else that I was dying to ask you about. Uh, no, I think I covered it, but I think I could make another list for you pretty easily if I sat down and thought about it. So I hope you come back on. Yeah, we. it's so great just to be able to talk to somebody who feels the same as in my own little circle, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're pretty, yeah. we're, we're on, we're on the Island here. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like more like, a, like I told you the the first guy through the door always gets bloody. So yeah, you gotta, this, you gotta be ready this, to get bloody. Is this a podcast or is it like a, uh, emotional support group? Or <laughs> yes. Yeah. Support group. Yeah. No, I certainly admire, you know, I finally get to talk to you here. At least see it. Matt, you know, the courage you've taken and staying up for your principles and uh, honestly, the attention that you've brought to some of these issues. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think we will eventually make changes. I think our our arguments, the soundness of our ideas and arguments are are really strong and those don't just 
get tossed aside. I mean, yeah. have you, I don't know if you ever heard this, you know, it's like a, if the first, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you and then you win. So oh, right, who's that? Right now, uh, probably some Zen guy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but uh, I think right now we're in the, we're in the, the they laugh at you part. Right? Yeah. 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 At best. Right. Oh. So we're still, we're still there. We, we saw this, we just, we just won, you know, 90, 10 allocation for the big five species in Wyoming. And it was just that same thing. Right. When we first started bringing it up, they ignored us and then the alphabet laughed at us and they fought us and then we won. Oh, wow. You know, so, so we're going to, so was that a, a thing that was championed primarily for, by mountain pursuit or. We had a, uh, we had another ally in, uh, in the state Senate who had tried it a couple times before. And I wrote a, I just wrote an opinion piece for Wyoming and it was headlines, you know, how come Wyoming's giving 25% of our big orange sheep tags to non-residents? Mm-hmm. And he saw that and, and we connected with him and I said, well, tell us what we can do. And so we, uh, we, we got crushed at the legislature two times. I mean, like the first vote was like one to 24. Oh <laughs> you know? man. But we took to task, you know, those people voted against us. We say, hey, you're, you're betraying resident hunters here. And uh, we took the task. The, the Wyoming Wildlife Federation came out against it, and we, you know, we took them to task too. And we had some impact on them. And uh, we got a little bit closer the next time. And then this time, I mean, the vote in the state senate was thirty to zero. You know, and this is for, you know, big five for, or ninety ten allocation, just like Montana has for moose, antelope, and bison stuff. What ha- what happened that that the vote swung that much. The, uh, the, our, our pressure helped to get this uh, board appointed called the Wyoming Wildlife Task Force. And what was really interesting is I think the outfitters saw where things were going. And most important to them is um, protecting the non-resident allocation they have right now for elk. And so they actually put it on the table of saying, hey, we'll, we'll give you 90-10 for big five, but we're not going to budge on elk. So, um, it was then, a compromise deal. Well, not part? for us, that, that, like, but you, but you guys pushed them into the compromise. Well, I hope so. Um, but we're still going to go after 90, 10 for deer, elk and antelope. I mean, yeah. we just, we just want what you guys want. We, you know, we asked the question, how come Montana treats its resident hunters better than Wyoming treats us? Yeah. Right. It's a great question to ask. And so we're continuing to ask that question. I mean, right now, I mean, we just, we got this little victory and we just got set back a little bit. I mean, in this yeah. world that we're, we're fighting in on both sides, both the there's a hundred allocation. And then also the stuff we're trying to do is social media and, and clean up hunting. And it's honestly, we're just trying to clean up hunting, right. To protect it for the future. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, we're, I guess you know, we definitely, I mean, one way I say it is that why well, I, I kind of believe that we're heading towards a, a European model of wildlife management. And I, just trying to keep it the way it it used to be, get it back to what it used to be. So yeah, I, I agree. We're, I'm, we're tra- we're in the fight to counter the, the threats we see to hunting. And I mean it, and because it it, and because the the main opponents are actually the industry and the dollars and the marketing that because of it. That's why it's it looks so daunting. But yeah, yeah. Man, I I don't quit. Man, I'll keep chipping away. Yeah, good. <laughs> Good. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you're out there and, uh, thanks again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 